everyone. Welcome to whatever episode we're on. Episode Ian. Episode Ian. There we go. We're just going with names now. Episode Ian. Of the zero fucks, zero effects. Once again, got no fucking clue what we're called. uh, Podcast. Uh, with us today, we have, uh, I think he's sometimes referred to as Mafia Murphy, especially by Lisa Forte. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Mafia Murph, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Yes, of course. My name is Ian Murphy. I am founder of CyberOff and uh, I have nothing to do with the Mafia whatsoever. The horse's head was nothing to do with me. I'd just like to put everybody straight on that score. I have no idea where Shea God is. <laughs> Ian, at least half our, our viewers wouldn't know who Sugar is. Every day's a school day, Rob. They can go and fucking look it up then, can't they? <laughs> wow. There we go. One of those episodes, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, we have got the funniest man in InfoSec on the podcast today. We so. have. We have. Yeah, sorry, we'll introduce him later, Ian. Don't worry. Yeah, good. good. <laughs> well, we warm up. <laughs> I'm happy being the warm-up. I'm happy. Just it's it's like fluffing. I'll be happy just to be on set. I'll be quite honest with you. <laughs> oh my lord! The How much of this are you going to have to edit, Rob? I think there's going to be a lot of editing. I think there's not, and and at least one career could be ending soon. <laughs> Listen, if you're talking about my my career, it's fucking ended years ago. By the way, <laughs> ended mine, years but... ago. <laughs> So, thanks so much for joining us, Ian. Um, as usual, I have not written any questions down, so I'm just going to pull some out of the top of my brain. Um, so, you have a really interesting approach to security awareness training. Do you want to tell us a bit about how you incorporate comedy into it, into it, and kind of why that works? Um, I, I think. Uh, for, for me, why it works is throughout my life, comedy and humour has been a constant. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying that I'm funny or anything like that, but growing up in Liverpool in the 80s, through mass unemployment and all of that type of stuff, if you didn't laugh, it would have been a terrible existence. And I had the best childhood in the world. You know, I, I, I grew up in a time where where kids were allowed to go out and play in the street and all that type of good stuff. But but it was it was all about the wit and it was all about the humor and it was all about trying to outdo all your friends and 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 for me whenever I remember anything from my past I always remember the stuff that was fun from my past there's dark times in my past of course which I don't like to focus on but but the fun stuff just I I, I always say to people who was the best teacher you had at school nobody ever goes it was the teacher who battered me because you know we had sadists of teachers back at school in the 80s liberal comprehensive who who took beaten to a whole different level type of thing you know especially the games teachers but um it was it was the, it's the fun teachers whenever you say to somebody who's the best teacher it was the fun teachers the teacher who made the lessons fun and you learned more and for me it was a music teacher called mr Bourne. didn't do anything in music his lessons were just brilliant though um and again if somebody says to me what's your favorite film or I, I can recite almost the life of Brian, start to finish. And because it was fun, because it was interesting, because it got me engaged. And I, I think that's the bit about uh, awareness that we do a disservice to people 
by thinking, oh, this isn't the corporate image or will I look bad if I put this type of content out or will I offend Dave or Susan because somebody said fuck in the video? I mean, come on. You'll go to the cinema and watch a lot worse than that type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So so I think um, when we when we keep falling for the same type of scams, and we always will because we're built to do that, I think we do people a disservice by not trying to educate in a slightly different way, bring something different in, treat treat our colleagues and friends as adults and not as kind of required reading who who require a a kind of a Mary Whitehouse type figure. Again, kids go and look Mary Whitehouse up. <laughs> a Mary Whitehouse type figure to be a puritanical censor and turn around and go, ooh, I don't think somebody may get offended at that, but so fucking what? Who cares? Who really cares? It's an emotional reaction for something. And and if you're not really, if 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 you're not setting out to offend people and the context is there and actually you're not singling people out, you're not, and that's why I always make me the butt of the jokes in the videos. That's why it's me who's the idiot. Um, then, then, then you're golden. You're on safe ground, right? Um, the way people react to it, it and an emotional reaction, you can't control that. So, so I don't know. I, I I don't know why people try to do that by being that gatekeeper. But then they don't mind if somebody clicks on a link and puts their their company in danger because the training they've had has been a bit boring and people switch off and they're not engaged and all that type of stuff. Mm. So, so that's where the humour comes from, and and that's why I use it, and I'm unapologetic for it as well, even when people get upset and it's only very few you know I can count on the fingers of one hand and the amount of people who've who've been upset at my videos and it's always been for for their misreading of the context and their emotional reaction it's got never been for anything I've done or said it's almost like you give zero fucks so it's like oh oh is it by magic Again, kids, go and look that phrase up. Listen, all you're getting here is 80s pop culture. You're getting nothing else, right? That's all you're getting. It's a job. <laughs> I love I that can, I can do that. I can do that. Brilliant. Again, <laughs> go, go look Boys from the Black Stuff up. Great series. Totally underrated. Anyway. So, Ian, your your humour is, is very much you. Do you, um, do you engage with the people who object to what you're doing do you, yeah. do you talk to them and try to yeah always i'm i'm deeply i get deeply upset if i think i've offended anybody um uh, deliberately or kind of accidentally right if somebody goes hey you said this blah 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 um however what i quickly learn quickly learn um when i start to engage them and say hey i'm sorry i didn't mean blah 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 is that they are more more often than not a moron so they are a moron who, who don't have a sense of humour and they've taken it the wrong way. So then when I try and change, I'm not even trying to change the print, trying to explain where I come from, they're deeply entrenched um, in, in, in their, in their uh, anger. And actually some of them are my best viewers because they get really angry. Instead of switching off and going, oh, switch off. They watch it through to the end. The one—it's <laughs> a weird thing. It's—it's like—it's like Yoda and Darth Vader. It's like hate leads to anger, anger leads to the dark side. You know, people love being angry all the time. You know, so um, I, I do. I do reach out to make sure I haven't inadvertently o- overstepped the line, right? Um, 
I'm, I'm once I'm kind of confident that that's the case and I'm dealing with an idiot, then I leave them to it because I they're always going to beat me with experience, right? So may I just say, stay tuned for something really offensive coming up soon. <laughs> Brilliant. I find that I find that quite a lot with the content that I put out on like LinkedIn and stuff, though, because I weirdly I swear sometimes on LinkedIn. Um, and I, I know, weird, isn't it? Um, but I do find that some people really, really fucking hate it, and I'm like, like I, but I quite like I quite like being a divisive figure. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm not sure. I do it to be divisive. I. I. I but but also the, there's some shits and giggles in that as well from time to time. You know when when I do get somebody who takes my video the wrong way and they become a bit trolly with me, the trolly as in uh, troll, why on the end? So that, so they're trying to troll me, and I kind of then go the other way and try and kill them with kindness. So I'll offer mm. them cuddle cuddles and stuff like that, and you know <laughs> and uh, so. It's it, it's even like part of my stand-up uh, that I've just started. I know how I'm going to handle my first heckler. I know how it's going to be done. I don't care what they say to me, but I'm going to get them up on stage and give them a cuddle and have a photo taken because they'll be my first heckler. You know, and you can't ever come back from that, right? If a comedian's going to turn around and go, Let, come and have a cuddle. Come on, come and have a cuddle. The heckler's going to go, oh, fuck, I can't, I can't say I've shagged his mum now, right? You know, it's just... <laughs> And and anyway, but yeah, I I I um I, I kind of swear because it's my character, right? It's it's how I've been brought up, and I don't see it as a lack of vocab. In fact, I kind of like to think I'm an intelligent person. I don't care who else doesn't think that, but um uh, and 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 I I see it as a is an expression of of authenticity for me, because if you're having a pint with me, I'll be that person that you see on LinkedIn. It won't be an act, because if you've seen my videos, you know I can't act, right? So it won't be an act. It will be me. I just kind of amplify it a, a, a little bit on LinkedIn, just just for the effect and and things like that. So, yeah. so so I I I don't get offended at swearing at all. I love it. I really do. It's why my company's called Cyberoff because I couldn't call it Fuck Off Limited, right? <laughs> so so I had to. And and cyber is such a such a weird term right it means absolutely nothing and i almost think it was like a bunch of security geeks in a room who couldn't get laid trying to think how do we make ourselves sound a little bit more exciting than we are <laughs> let's let's call ourselves cybermen yeah that'll work we'll get laid then no you won't you're still geeks right so it's it's almost it's almost like a, a, a thumb in the nose up to the industry to call myself cyber off to turn around and go, come on, people, let's just let's be human about shit and let's have a laugh, you know, yeah. and let's and let's not take ourselves seriously. And hey, look, if I know I'm might if people don't like it, that's all right. Switch off. Go and, go and watch somebody else. I don't give a shit. But it's, it's really peculiar, isn't it, Ian? I mean, before we actually started recording i said to you that that my biggest hate i mean it's purely coincidentally my biggest hate is business speak where yeah. people talk absolute crap bollocks when it means nothing but it's a whole load of words that have come out this week's vocabulary pot mm. and people are more inclined to um join in with that than they are with somebody who's being honest and open and speaking mm. english albeit colloquial and it makes no real sense at all that people will sit there and, and nod their heads sagely when people are talking 
you know, let's put it up the flagpole and see if it fell. Oh, shut out. I mean, what, what's a shite? Yeah, somebody somebody referred yeah. to me the other week at, at work. Somebody said, "Oh, Rob's taking point on this. Touch base with him and see where he's at." <laughs> well, and I put back in the messaging stream. I said, "I have no idea what you're talking no about. Idea. Let, let me let me know if I can help." I hate that. I hate people who say reach out. My mum actually said the word synergy in an actual sentence the other day, and I was like, at least it was like just about dinner or something. I was like, what the fuck is going on with you? It's not even work related. It's seeping into your actual life now. It's weird. I mean, that goes back to a famous Bill Shankly quote for me being a Liverpool supporter. You know, Bill Shankly once said, he said, I. I like to speak proper English, he said, and, and I'm doing a terrible Scottish accent. I fully understand that. And and he said, you know, he said, if I see somebody on the pitch who's not giving the ball to other players, he said, I don't call them avaricious. He said, I call them bloody greedy. And and it, it's it's true, right? You know, and, and, and I think the love that the people had for Bill was because he was a man of the people who spoke about the people. And I think when people talk about synergies or... Or, or let's touch base or, or reaching out. I think they're just trying to fit into a business environment where actually, if they were in the pub, nobody would turn around to the mate and go, hey, listen, reach out to the barman and get us a, a drink. And let's touch base <laughs> with, with the man over there to see if we can have a gin and tonic. Nobody, they, they, what they turn around to say is, get the round in, dickhead. You know, that's that's it. It's it's quite simple like that. And and, and I think something's lost when we when we try and portray somebody who we're not. Mm. Um, within a business, because it's almost like being duplicitous, right? Um, it's almost like uh, just that two-facedness that you'll say one thing in a corporate environment and say something totally else outside it, mm. which probably explains why I work for myself, because nobody else would ever employ me. <laughs> oh, I feel that pain, Ian, although I'm now employed by other people. I don't think they've worked it out yet. Although they might now, having watched this. Maybe I won't edit this. Okay. Come back to that again. Feel <laughs> your pain, Ian. <laughs> but from us, I mean, Amy and I are both all bit um, tenuously you know, from a sales perspective. And it's very true that there people would much prefer us to talk crap in a, in a sales environment than be honest i i well to be fair i try to surround myself with customers who don't want me to do that like, no, no, but yeah you you've built a following of people who like amy the real amy hopefully both of them <laughs> <laughs> which is two more than me i think there is a i think there is a culture of of that but i I mean, I used to, I had a sales manager before and he was like, you need to try and fit in with your customers and be a chameleon. And if they're talking about listening to things and you'd be like, hear this, you know, like and doing all this fucking psychology bullshit. And I was like, do you know what? No, I don't need to do any of that. If I just talk to people how I am and stop trying to put a fucking act on all the time, I think I'll probably have a lot more success. And if you don't like me, that's, that's your kind of problem, not my problem. There's like a billion other people on the planet I can go talk to. So if you don't want to buy off me, that's totally that's totally fine. But that's ah. it. You, you choose to work with the people you engage with. Mm. So you don't want to engage with people falsely, and you don't want to engage with false people. Yeah. Well, I, I, I I agree, and and I think people can see through it. You, you know, and and the sales jobs I've done in the past, 
Um, <laughs> e even though e even though people want you to portray a corporate image, it's always ever been me doing the presentation. It's never been so somebody will show me how to do the presentation or deliver it or here's the lines you have to say. But it will always be me delivering it in my voice the the way I do it, you know, and, and whether people like that or not, or whether people buy from me or not because of that. It's kind of I, I, I don't want to sell to a customer that is then going to turn around and say, Hey, you know those videos, could you just take that swear word out of them or could you just no I fucking can't. No, I can't. Because actually if you want that, you want a bespoke video, I'll do your bespoke video. It'll take ages, it'll cost you a fucking arm and a leg, and you won't enjoy the output at the end because you will have reduced it down so far that there's no comedy in it whatsoever. Mm. So, you know, crack on doing your shitty videos that you see so thinks is really funny, but just nobody else does, you know. It's it's kind of um and 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 I'm all right with that. It's taken me ages to to be comfortable with myself because I think People talk about imposter syndrome all the time, right? As if it's a badge of honor and stuff like that. But but I think for me, it's been that kind of thing, but chip on the shoulder, scouser syndrome, you know, for a very long time. I've just turned 50 and I'm kind of confident with myself a little bit more that if people don't like me, that's all right. Because there's a bunch of other people that do like me and there's a bunch of other people that do follow me. And actually the only real opinions that matter and my wife and my son and my dad and my mother-in-law and all the people and my friends, the people that, that are closest to me, you know, because opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't argue with that. No. <laughs> Can you imagine the bleep machine if this was going out? There'd just be a, a massive... Belief, it's like, oh no, the TV's gone on the blink again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, most episodes do have quite a lot of swearing in. Mostly from me, though. I think you're the only person who's outsworn me so far, Murph. <laughs> could, could you imagine an episode if me, you, and Eliza were on as well? Then, <laughs> hell, how, how much it would just be one constant high pitched beep. Dogs for miles around would be running from the house. Just do. <laughs> yeah pretty much um so ian you obviously do security awareness training is that what you've always done what's kind of your background uh no it isn't actually i've been i've been in security about uh 30 years uh, i started in the early 90s with the ministry of defense so i did 10 years with those guys on interesting stuff uh i then left because the pay was shit and uh, I went into the dot-com bubble um, in 2000 where I worked for a small consultancy where we managed to uh, drink our way through the uh, investment that, that, that we had, which was a wonderful year for me. You know, it was a great, great time to, to, to be in London. And then, and then I uh, wormed my way into Symantec um, as a firewall guy mm -hmm. uh, and then moved into... MSS from there, and then in about 2006, uh, I I uh, became self-employed. So I did contracting then, and since then I've been doing contracting of all different sorts. You know, 27,001 and yeah. class consultancy and risk assessments and security architecture and and so so I have a technical background, um, but I've, I've 
I, I did have a year in Australia in between where I worked for Die Data out there as their kind of regional business sales security person type thing, and um, which was great as as a as a kind of um, break from the norm. But I, it did cement for me that I I can't work for people, um, especially people who who I kind of don't respect. And I don't mean that from a bad point of view, but I mean people who are telling me how to do a job that I've been doing for years mm-hmm. and telling me that I need 10 meetings a day and I need to do this to hit my number. I'm like, no, I fucking don't. No, I don't. No, I know how this works, you know. Um, so, so yeah. And 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 then um, a couple of years ago, Lisa asked me to get involved with Lisa Forte, asked me to get involved with the um, cyber uh, volunteers for, for COVID. Mm. And I was I was running heading up the threat intel team, and we were putting out the same kind of newsletters every month. You know, don't click on this. Don't. I just thought to myself, there's got to be a better way, right? There's got to be a better way than telling people not to click on stuff, because you know, I I I I know I need to eat less junk food and go to the gym. I don't do it. So there's got to be a better way to get people involved in not doing the stuff that could potentially harm them or harm the business. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of then when I thought, well, you know, uh, let's let's try a different approach. Let's look at security awareness training as it is. And I don't mean the technical stuff like phishing tests and stuff like that, because that that still screws with my mind. That it doesn't quite compute how that's helping people by by tricking them. Anyway, that's a different conversation altogether. Um, and and I thought, you know, what's 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 the best way I've found to learn, as I mentioned earlier on, and the best way was with humour and was with fun. Uh, so I started out with kind of videos to 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 raise my brand and find my voice on a social media platform, which was like June time last year. And then around about February this year, it got to a point where people were getting interested in it. People wanted to pay me money for it, damn fools. Mm-hmm. And um, and so so I incorporated CyberOff as a business and started to push through with it, you know, um, and started to develop uh more more videos more interesting stuff and now with the latest iteration it's to do stand-up for people as well so to to make the on-site training a little bit more engaging by having you know uh some stand-up type routines around passwords around phishing around scams around physical dangers all that type of stuff to help people retain the info um and and make it make it a bit more diff- different than the boring mandatory annual training that people just do not look forward to you know and 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 that's it it's it's not rocket science right it really isn't i think i can make people learn better by using humor i don't need a doctorate to know that right i don't need so certain people scoffed at me in the very beginning well humor only takes you so far and they had you know more qualifications that i could shake a shitty sticker and and i'm like you know what I don't need to jump off the white cliffs of Dover to know that gravity is going to fucking end it for me, right? I know humour can help people learn. I don't need a fucking doctorate to tell me that. Mm. And actually, I then don't need some arsehole who thinks they're much better than I am trying to talk down to me about it. You know, mm. behavioural this and behavioural that. Fuck that. Make people laugh. Get them engaged. And you got half a fucking chance. Then come in with all the behavioural and science nonsense after that, right? You know? By the way, I say science nonsense. I'm a big science geek. I love Brian Cox. Who doesn't love a bit of Cox, right? 
I love there's, there's a little little euphemism joke for you there. Um, I I love all of that stuff. So I'm not the crime science or anything like that. I'm a big big science geek. It's just that when people try and do it to belittle other people, which is what I felt at that time, and um, when a few people turned around and went, "Yeah, you can't do that because of X, Y, and Z," I'm like, "Yeah, those two are for you." <laughs> I think it's really interesting how, like, you're using different, like, it's just different methods of communication. It's just what works for the masses. It's like, it's like the kind of crap that we post on LinkedIn. I I can post a really, well, not, I'm going to say a really interesting blog, but it's probably not that interesting, the ones that I write. But I can post a blog on LinkedIn that'll be, I don't know, about, like, something technical. Not too technical, because, you know, it's me. But it gets, like, zero engagement. People don't interact with it. But if I post a meme about passwords, they get like 20,000 views and people are commenting on it and stuff. And it's like, that's, I think, especially in the like technological era or whatever it is that we're in, where, where information's got to be consumed really quickly because people get fucking bored. Having that kind of style where you can convey a message quickly or humorously i think that's like becoming increasingly important especially it's like and especially i think with all of us working from home as well and not being in that corporate environment where you're not constantly you know wearing a fucking suit you're sat there with a superman t-shirt on and i've got a fucking ramones top on like this is how i do my calls with customers it's we're becoming less corporate as a as a industry i think anyway so i think yeah that kind of humorous style naturally lends itself to kind of how we're developing i I, th- I think so it's not the only style by the way i mean there's there's lots of other good stuff out there and you you need a layered approach like anything else so i'm not saying mine's the only style go for it everybody else's is shit mostly everybody else's is shit by the way um i'm not saying that <laughs> there is that layered but 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 i i, I really do think and, and and it's like it's like you say about linkedin posts right so what I've noticed recently that unless I'm offering a good news story of rags to riches, right, or unless I'm helping a homeless chap who stinks of piss and stuff like that, right, um, by giving him a coffee and my kids went up and took a photo, it's like, fucking, that did not happen. It did not happen. Stop lying. You're doing it for likes, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think I'd rather have a post that had a 1,000 views for my authenticity than a bullshit post that had a million views for somebody else's fucking story. Yeah. You know, shame on you for copying that shit. You know, I don't mean shame on you guys, but shame on the people for copying that shit mm-hmm. just for likes and reach, you know. Be authentic, have a voice. Doesn't matter whether four people look at it. If those four people are your buying target, you've got four leads. The other posts that do really well, that are like a million and stuff like that, views, and, you know, I, I've had a couple of those, but... But I, I, I get I get less pleasure out of that than the posts where people I, I, I had a guy the other day say to me, he said, My I showed my wife your vanilla in password wrap and she's gone out and bought a password manager without even telling me. I'm like, brilliant. My work's done here. And mm-hmm. you know what? I, I I didn't ask her to go and do that. I don't get any revenue from it. But my work's done because somebody has found it useful enough to go and change their behaviour. Um, you know, and and I think that's it. I, in the very early days, I used to get fed up with people writing NSFW on my posts, and I was trying to work out what it was first. I was thinking <laughs> non-smoking foxtrot wanker. I, I I didn't know, you know, and um and and I was like, 
I, I don't want to make it safe for work. I want to make it. I, I want to make it so people get something out of it, you know. And the attention bit is important because these things, these things are, are are a boon and ruin our lives at the same time because our attention is elsewhere. I'll go out for a meal with my wife and I'll see couples on these stupid things, um, not talking to each other, losing the art of communication. And I want to go over and stick them in bowls of water. The phones, not the couples. I want to go and stick them in bowls of water and say, lift your head up and talk to your fucking partner for crying out loud, you know? Have a conversation. Mm. And and I think because people's attention is so waning and, and really moves from one thing to another, I think that's where the humour helps and I think that's where you've got to grab attention. So that's why I do stupid videos where I'm dressed up in stupid costumes and things like that. Um, is to help grab that attention so people are seeing something slightly different, you know. Um, and and it's it it's no more it, it's no more than that. It's trying to grab that real estate of their eyes for five minutes so I can switch them on to something, and hopefully they'll remember it and then they can go about the day. Then I don't want to give them quizzes or anything like that because, to be quite honest, it's bullshit as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's the news. First up in business news, a Yorkshire-based startup company headed by two village idiots and a wise investor are set to take the market by storm. Capture the Talent ensures that hiring of penetration testers is independently verifiable, using various technology to verify if a candidate is either hot or not. Stay tuned in the coming weeks for more information. Next up, the story that the government have introduced the product security and telecoms infrastructure bill today, which bans manufacturers of IoT devices from having universal default passwords, as well as forcing firms to be transparent with known vulnerabilities in their products. Incidentally, we found out this by hacking Boris's email using password one. Hmm. And finally, the InfoStep Challenge is coming to its final stage this week as the 26 InfoSec professionals who have walked virtually to Australia and back land back in the UK on the 30th of November. The team, made up of InfoSec noobs and veterans, have been tirelessly stepping since 1st of June this year to raise money for the Innocent Lives Foundation and the Cyber Helpline. Check out InfoStep.uk for how you can donate to the cause. You stay secure, InfoSec community. There we go. That was the news. Um. <laughs> so just um, just winding back a little bit here, and you were talking about NSFW, which I always thought mm. was uh, numpty scouse fuckwit. Yeah. Now, now that makes sense. That, that makes does sense. make that does make more sense if they were only yeah. writing on the end post. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's bastard. Bastard. People have been insulting me for years, and I haven't gone back to them. <laughs> oh phew i was getting worried i hadn't insulted our guests and i was, I was oh, thinking me. we were running out of time but there we go you've managed it squeezed it in um yeah so before the news you mentioned um you don't like fishing exercises because they just catch people out i actually wrote a, well i hinted at this in a blog post that i wrote the other week um where i had a job where the cto would do fishing exercises for our company but he'd do them from his own email address and then he'd be like, caught you out with this fishing exercise. And I'm like, well, not really. You got fucking, if, if this was a real life situation, you got fucking hacked. There's not, mm. it's not, you're not catching me out with a fishing exercise. It's you that got caught out if this was a real yeah. life 
situation. Um, and I, I spoke to a customer the other day, and he was talking about he was doing a fishing exercise, uh, and they were going to be like, if you know, if you clicked on this link, then you have to go and do this tra- online training or whatever. But I was like, maybe you should c- count how many people are actually reporting the fact that they clicked on something rather than telling them they have to go do training because they've clicked on something. Because it's if a fishing's done properly, it works. Like we yeah. said, it, it's meant to work. Like that's the whole yeah. fucking point of it. You are meant to click on it. Yeah. So you need to work. I always think you need to do dam- damage limitation. Well, the only way you're going to limit the damage if someone's handed over some credentials on a phishing website is if you fucking know about it. Because otherwise, mm. it could be like six months down the line when them credentials get used. Mm. I, I I agree. Um, you know, there's there's several companies who've made the news for shitty phishing attempts, right? Where uh, I think Southwest oh. Trains or Southeast Trains did it. You know, for for their staff. Mm. for working hard through the pandemic hey here's a bonus click on yeah. the link i mean what kind of arsehole does that what kind of if that's entrapment by any other language right mm-hmm. um go daddy did it as well they did a similar bonus scheme to i can get anybody to click on a link doing that type of stuff right that shows me nothing and it gives them no learning whatsoever i think i think if you do it in a trusted environment where everybody knows there's no penalty for it where everybody knows you're not going to clickers jail or whatever so you have to do this training to get out of it and i think where it's a supporting trusting uh um inclusive community where people are then sharing hey i spotted this and and Mm -hmm. and and the people who report it get some kind of award or recognition i think i think that's something different right um I, i i i there's merit in helping people understand what a phishing email looks like but i think if you do it too often and you exhaust, it's almost like selling with fear, right? If you're going to sell with fear all the time, you're going to exhaust your customers. You're going to exhaust yourself trying to sell with this fear all the time as well. Mm-hmm. But you're going to exhaust your customers. And 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 there's just something slightly wrong that, that I'm going to deliberately fish my team and then castigate them afterwards, um, which is what a lot of people, because, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and all that type of, jazz and um uh, i i see very few people using it responsibly i do get the case for it i'm not saying it's a it's a bad thing never do it um i do get the case for it but it has to be done in an environment where people feel safe to make a mistake and unfortunately that's not many environments to be quite honest you know how many times have we heard people are the weakest link you know or or let's build a human firewall that's akin to a human shield who wants to be a fucking human shield for anybody, right? <laughs> Who wants to take a bullet in the head because the technology shit? Get the technology working first. You spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on it. Get that working. And if it doesn't, dump the fucking vendor and get a decent bit of technology instead. I did, you know, I, instead of blaming us. I did a talk about this in Manchester a couple of weeks ago um, where I was like, I'm so fed up of people being called the weakest link when they're fucking not like I was in my talk I was like so Janet who does the invoicing her job is to do the fucking invoicing that's all she's concentrating on she's just doing the invoicing if yeah. someone manages to get her credentials and get onto her machine a you've got a shit password policy clearly or you've got no fucking you've got nothing you've got no technology in place to stop phishing emails coming through that's not Janet's mm-hmm. fault if you've got no multi-factor authentication enabled that's not fucking Janet's fault either if when she can, if if someone gets onto Janet's machine and then manages to fucking get domain admin again, how the fuck is that Janet's fault? It's not her fault. Like the 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 only bit that 
I said something like, they're not the weakest link, they're just the fucking entry point. No one ever blames mm. a firewall when something happens, mm. which is you are the like the other bit of your perimeter, you tell, like that's the technology to get into the outside world, right? No one ever blames the firewall. So why do I always blame the end user? It's not the end, I always think it's not the end user's fault. That they just happen to be like, they're just the garden gate that, that people can walk through. But if you have I mean, a little shit in place, it's not, it's not their problem, is it? Yeah, and, and it becomes a get-out-of-jail-free car for the technology vendors who are spunking all of their VC money on marketing instead of development developing a product that's solid, right? Because mm-hmm. they want to be first to market, they want to have an MVP, and blah, 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 all of that nonsense, you know, and please shareholders and stuff like that. It's it's very rare that, that you find a, a security vendor that cares so much about their customers that they want to protect them because really, in reality... They've got to sell shit to make the investors happy and mm-hmm. to hit their targets and all that type. So there's loads of big vendors out there who've had hundreds of millions of dollars and still not turning a profit in investment. And yet mm-hmm. they're still peddling the same shit they were four or five years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and and people still fall for it. You know, people still fall for this stuff. That That's a scam in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, get that shit sorted out first. You know, start treating your people like adults instead of oh, you, you know, I don't, I don't think you'd like this video. You might be offended, and then you may have half a chance. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. again, it's not rocket science or rocket surgery, as I like to say. <laughs> rocket surgery, definitely something we should all be doing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm down with rocket surgery. Yeah. Um. <laughs> very irritating though when the the weakest link is able to bring down such immense systems it would by its very definition it's suggesting that it's uh it's autocock or brian as i think i'm now going to refer to it (laughs) that's that's the scientist obviously it's not the actor in succession i'm talking about i don't think he knows anything about science to be quite honest that's scottish Brian Cox, but oh yes, of yeah. there's two, two Cox that I'm very into. That exactly. There you go. Writes itself. Writes itself. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. need me at all. No. You don't <laughs> <need> <laughs> no, I think that's a really good point, though. Like, if you're saying your entire organization can get brought down by one fucking phishing email, or by yeah. one user clicking, like one by one, by one user who is who's the weakest link. One click of a button, that's very it. little. Well, it's the F12 syndrome all over again. Oh, the, the weird thing is, is that we're conditioned, and even more so our kids, right, um, are conditioned to click links from a very, very early age. A very early age. You know, no doubt Maggie um, as, is, is, is au fait with how to operate an iPad without really being shown it, right? She knows the Zoom and all of that. She you tries know? to she tries to push the TV because she thinks the TV's fucking <laughs> brilliant. Really no I love that. I love that. Hopefully with painted fingers, so it's just oh. gone. That, you, that, that, that would four-year-old be old children don't need paint on their fingers. They're so <laughs> naturally grubby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not on them, not usually. That's what we normally go for. <laughs> but yeah. but that conditioning is there. So so when people when people accidentally click a link that is malicious. Again, it's the, we're conditioned to do it, and and anthropologically speaking, you know we are conditioned to trust 
and to help. That's how societies are built. That's how we that's how we became the dominant Homo sapiens species amongst all the other Homo erectus and uh, um, Neanderthals and all. And and it's why we conquered the globe because we could trust each other and we could build societies. Mm-hmm. And actually, when somebody sends you a link and says, hey, I need 300 quid because my bills aren't being paid, your first thought is, and and no. first thought is I'm gonna I'm gonna help me mate or I'm gonna help me mum or whatever. I'm not gonna phone them up and check that that's them. It's three hundred quid. I've got it in the bank. I'm gonna give it to them. So that's why these scams work, you know. And I think we need to give ourselves a bit of a break about it. I think we need to get, cut ourselves a little bit of slack, um, and 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 just go fucking. I made a mistake. And and let's kind of learn from it, you know. We we've talked about this before on previous episodes, but the the whole trust issue is a is a big part of this. And I don't want to spend my life not trusting everyone and everything I come into contact with, because that's not how I want to be. I want to mm. be open. I want to be transparent, and I want to assume that everyone I bump into is similarly going to be open, honest, and transparent. And yes, I know that that means I'm going to get stung every now and then. Yeah, but, but to 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 counter that, I put in mitigating systems. So yes, I, I will use my card in public, but I will also ensure that there's nothing in my account, um, <laughs> which is easy. <laughs> it's easy for me. No problem with that. I just buy stuff. Oh my god, there's some money in my account. Buy something. So yeah, but it's. I think it's important that we don't close ourselves off from society, as you as you point out. If if our um, if our reaction to everything is no, then we become insular and isolated and miserable. Well, it's like the and best, the, the most the most secure computer is one that's fucking switched off. It's not connected to anything. There's no put nobody using it. There you go. It's yeah. secure. But you can't that's live like that. You have, to get, you have to get shit done. Yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, our industry gives us an unhealthy paranoia, right? Our industry makes us look for the angles all the time. You know, what, what's the angle? What's the threat? What's the risk? Um, but essentially, we do that in normal life as well, right? We just don't realise we're doing it. Mm-hmm. When we're crossing the road, we make a risk-based decision whether it's safe to cross or not. And we've had that from a very early age when we, for, for me in the 80s, it was the Green Cross Cold Man, right? Dave Prowse, Darth Vader, um, uh, you know, look, stop looking, listen, all those bits and pieces. Um, so, so, and until you're of an age where your parent can let go of your hand and you can cross the road by yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so all of that becomes a, a, a learning experience. And, and and I think I think the problem with cyber or, or the field is is that we've almost we've almost jumped into a field without that learning experience, right? We get people coming into that field because it's lucrative for them. And and there's not, I'll use the term apprenticeship, but I did two apprenticeships as a kid. I did a mechanical apprenticeship and I did one in a dockyard as well when I was with the Ministry of Defence. And they were the best years of my life because actually they were learning from experienced people mm-hmm. and, and they were learning from people who've, Got the got the scars to talk to you about why you do it that way and why you don't do it that way. And I think there's something lost in society today when kids kids go to and I include my son in this as well, who's 19. Kids go to university straight from school and don't come out of university until they're about 24, 25, 26, 27. If they're doing MSCs and stuff like that, so into their mid to late 20s. 
they're not dealing with adults really in a peer-to-peer relationship, you know? And, and, and I think one of the biggest things I got from my apprenticeship was how to talk to adults in a peer relationship mm. and how to, how to respect those adults in that peer relationship. Because what would tired you if you didn't, right? <laughs> I won't tell you some of the things that happened in my apprenticeship, but, but people would be getting sacked for it now. And, and you couldn't get away with it now. And I'm not saying bring those days back. I'm not saying that. But I also do, sometimes it happens on social media. Or I, it's one of the reasons I come off Twitter, to be quite honest, because everyone's a fucking expert on Twitter. Um, and and I, get, I get kids coming at me for certain things I put on there and uh, without the context. And I always remember a story a, a welder once said to me in my apprenticeship. Um, Jack, his name was, close to retirement. He was in his 60s. And he had a big arc welding machine that had no numbers on it. And if you know how to weld, you 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 have a certain amperage for the diameter of the rod you're welding for what you want to do. And I remember saying to Jack, uh, there's no numbers on here, Jack. Shouldn't that be a, you know, 220 amps or whatever it was for that three and a half mil rod and blah, blah, blah. And I remember he turned around to me. It's something stuck at me all my life. He said, you may be able to tell me how to weld some. He said, but I can show you how to weld and I think that's the difference today. There's so many fucking experts who've learned it from a book. Mm. Stick them in a comms room or stick them behind a PC and they wouldn't know where to start, you know. It's okay. It's okay having that knowledge. It's the application of it that then goes beyond, you know. And, and, and as I say, it's one of the reasons why I came off Twitter because I just... Yeah, it's full of dicks. Um, it's kind of what we talked about with Dave Kennedy, isn't it? Like when we were saying like... the. We asked him why he thought there was so much military crossover between like people coming from the military into cyber. And he was saying, because you have to have those skills of thinking on your feet and just fucking doing it, like just mm. getting stuck in and being like, here's the problem. I've got to fix it now. Like I haven't got a book that can tell me what the fucking answer is. I've got a zero day attack happening and I need to fucking do something about it. it, it it's all very well knowing how to read the playbook. It's a very different thing dealing with the playbook when you've got 400 investors shouting at you and 4 million users shouting yeah. at you and mm-hmm. I agree the world oh, but but you and I and we grew up in a in a very different environment to youngsters mm. today. and even to an extent Amy you as well um it wasn't as bad perhaps as it is now but I mean yeah I was only, I was only born in 1989 you were yeah you keep saying that don't keep reminding us how old we are yeah <laughs> 1980. I'm not even going to think about why. Actually, fun times. Yeah. Did a little. I need to do one of those moments. Scooby Doo moments from. (laughs) So, but you know, we we grew up. We went out. We did stuff. You did stuff that you knew you shouldn't do, and as a result of that, you learned how to make sure you didn't get into trouble either physically or any other way. You know, I should not be climbing this building and breaking into that window so because i shouldn't be doing it i need to make sure that i get away with it so i learned how to do it safely if such a thing exists but that doesn't exist anymore so young people now are thrown into situations where they're i mean i'm quite glad that i'm quite glad that margo's not going to go out fucking scaling buildings thinking she's fucking spider-man like it sounds like you were doing But, but why because actually i mean my kids said to me once, I mean, they must be like six, seven years old, can we climb the shed? And I said, well, if you can, if you think you can climb the shed, give it a go. But you've obviously got to get down from the shed as well. Where's, where's the harm? What's the very worst that can happen? 
and don't tell me because I'm well aware what the worst <laughs> <laughs> but they learn what what is achievable and what isn't achievable and I, I think no issue with stuff like that yeah but I don't I, didn't, I never went out and fucking climbed sheds or all like that bet you did Ian don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing, <laughs> honestly. I've got a climbing shed. Sheds, climbing sheds and jumping off the top was the highlight of my fucking childhood, to be quite it's honest. Or, or as, as you realise that the roof is bowing in a way that it wasn't <laughs> five minutes beforehand. But there was there was loads of stuff we did. You know, we there was a I remember so clearly a rope swing that you jumped on and then and then another dozen people would jump onto it as well and you'd be in the middle and you weren't hanging on to anything you were just compressed and oh my god so many things could have gone so horribly wrong but people looked out for each other older kids looked out for younger kids if something went wrong everyone knew instinctively what to do and yes people got hurt and i'm not saying that that's a good thing but the the understanding of risk and learning how to deal with risk and manage safely i think is missing and i think that's a real shame and i think yeah and, and and i think i think also as well we're partly to blame for that as well because we wrap our kids up in cotton well i know even at 19 i still worry about my son and stuff like that and and i've just got to let him get on with his life and i've just got to let him live it and i've just got to let him have the experiences that that i had you know, and so we can learn from that type of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I want them to. I want them to have all of that stuff. But also there's still that part of me that thinks, oh, what's the worst that can happen? And, you know, and, and, and things like that. But I, I, and, and I don't think actually, I'm, I'm not blaming future generations, by the way. I'm not saying that they're, they're not tough or they're not resilient or I'll take that back a little bit. I think there's a resilience that is missing in future generations because I think there's lots to get out of jail free cards where they don't have to take responsibility for certain things. And I think, I think that's one of the key learning factors is take responsibility for shit, own up when you've done stupid shit, put your hand up, take the rap that's coming for it and move on and learn from it. I think too often now people want to look and point the, come on back to the weakest link, right? People want to point the re responsibility to other people because they're afraid of taking it. I, I remember in my football career, one of the first things I ever learned from old pros was to put my hand up for mistakes I made. And I made a lot of them, a lot of them. I was just, sorry, that was my mistake. And you get on and you learn and they're there to help you and they're there to, to help you become a better player and, and stuff like that, you know? So uh, I, 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 but I also do feel for, for kids nowadays because there's so much, it's so different. There's a different ethos to growing up. It's more insular. There's more virtual kind of worlds that they inhabit that we don't fully understand because we, we didn't grow up in them, you know? And, and and I think sometimes when I'm like, go out and meet people and go out and do this and go out, I, actually, that's not in kids' um, kit bag to do nowadays, the, you know? The difficulty nowadays is that if you make a mistake, it's usually online and you don't ever get to forget that mistake because <laughs> it's there it. all the time. Whereas yeah, yeah. when when you guys were younger, the, if you made a mistake, then careful where you go with this, Amy. If yeah, but if you made if like if you made a mistake, it's in real life, and you talk, you just I don't know, you step overstep the mark with your mate calling calling him a dickhead or whatever. You said I'm sorry, and then you move on from it. But if you've written it down on the fucking internet, people retweet it, and then fucking someone brings it up again in a year's time, and blah 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 blah, and it like this shit never goes away. And I think that's probably where 
Or like if you make or if you do make a mistake and like people fucking pile on you and it's people that you don't even fucking know. It's not like like everyone knows about it. And I think that's probably where the like people people don't want to admit that they've made mistakes and things like that because of those kind of reactions that that you get. Yeah. What what it, that is one of the reasons why I came off Twitter, the pylon mentality. Because I got so fed up of saying to people, listen, if you want to pile on, I don't mind that. Come and meet me in fucking real life and see if you pile on then, right? See if you're happy to pile on and take the piss then when a six foot four angry scouser is standing in front of you. You know, because so many people get brave over the internet and on keyboards and stuff like that. And they want to make other people's lives a misery because of it. I, I don't know why. I really don't know why. Because, you know, I was taught when I grew up, if you say something wrong, you can't get yourself out of it. Be ready to take a smack in the mouth, right? Because that was the way it was dealt with. That was the way it was dealt with. And I'm not saying violence is the answer. It's partially the answer. I'm not saying violence <laughs> is, is, is the answer. And I'm not saying that you should go and beat up on people and stuff like that. But there's consequences for actions. And what the problem is nowadays online, there's no consequences for the actions. Mm. There's no consequence for somebody being an arsehole. And I always think, my yardstick is if I wouldn't say it to somebody's face, I'm not going to say it online. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. So I try and give them that respect, you know. And I, I, I disagree slightly. And I think there are consequences online. But the problem is that the consequences are so um, accelerated or enhanced over the situation. Because as you say, in real life, you piss somebody off, you get a dirty look, you might get a smack, you move on, you, you deal yep. with it, you settle it. But on on virtual life, you can get away with stuff forever and then suddenly it becomes a huge situation. Suddenly you are in court for something you've said, which rightly or wrongly is way beyond where it needed to have been. But there's there's no middle ground. There's there's that and there's that. And all of this yeah, stuff yeah. is done in, in sort of anonymously. That's easy for you to say. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I agree when, when you can track somebody down. But, yeah. you know, if, it, if it's a sock account or stuff like that, you know, there are no consequences for that. Uh, social media companies don't do enough to stop that type of stuff, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and, and I do agree with privacy and all that type of stuff as well. But I also agree with being a, a decent human being, right? And, and treating people the way you'd like to be treated and, and not, not just sending horrible, hateful speech and messages to celebrities because they've missed the penalty at the Euros and stuff like that. It's just it's absolute nonsense, right? You know? Yeah. But, 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 but for those that you can track down, yes, there definitely are consequences. You're right, Rob. I don't think it's even just like hateful speech to each other, though. Like, <laughs> so one of, our, one of our mutual friends, Ian, posted some stuff on LinkedIn and then some guy who's like retired, his job title on LinkedIn is like retired cyber exec. But trolls are all the time. And I'm like, why are you even, why are you writing this stuff? Like, she posted something about the speed, like, internet um, attacks happening at the speed of light. And then all all she got from this guy was a response like, well, actually, uh, if it goes through a router, then that's not actually the speed of light, is it? You know, just like, just trying to undermine whatever it is that she's written. Why? Why do people feel a fucking need to do it? But yeah, but these people exist in real life. I mean, I've I've often talked about how the whole social media stuff doesn't sit comfortably with me, and I talk about how if I go into a pub 
I will sit in the corner of the pub with my back to the wall and I'll talk to the person in front of me. And I sure as hell aren't going to stand up on the table and shout out my opinions to everyone in the pub. There are people who will do that. So on LinkedIn, on Twitter, I'm, I'm much the same. I will quietly sit at the side of a conversation. And if I think I've got something to add, rarely, I'll add it. But there are people who you will be having a quiet conversation in a pub and they will, from, from the other side of the room, correct you. And you're like, where what, what's going on? We have no interest in this. Go away. Leave us alone. But you can do that much easier in real life than you can on, on LinkedIn because as soon as you respond, they're like, well, you just don't yeah. want to be put corrected. What? Well, well, well actually, you, you, you. You, you say there's not people who want to do that. Unfortunately, I have embarked on a stand-up career, so it, it means yeah. I've got to do that shit. Now, right? <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've got to, I've got to come up with an opinion. I don't actually come up with an opinion. They are opinions, right? And, and it's kind of my confused brain as a middle-aged man who doesn't get shit, and, and I am a middle-aged man who doesn't get shit, right? Um, and I'm, I'm quite willing to accept that I'm a dinosaur in, in things that I have a different view of the world, but I also like to think I'm a kind person who will only ever poke fun of myself in situations I find myself in rather than you know rather than the 80s comics of of oh. the, the comedians and stuff like that who who were poking fun at everybody else you know and yeah. um it, it's it's really intriguing you know because I can stand up and talk about security till the cows come on throw any topic at me whatsoever I'll talk about it. It might not be an authority on it, but I'll have an opinion on it. And I have no problem doing that. But when you stand up in front of people and those people are looking at you thinking, go ahead, dickhead, make me laugh. It's a totally different prospect altogether, you know. It really strips your beard of stuff and 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 you really find out whether you're any good at that witty type of stuff or not, or whether people just think you're a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> so, uh, you... you taken us in this direction in what did make you decide to to go stand up i really to improve my presentation skills and and to understand the anatomy of a joke no 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 not his i understand setup and punchline right but to understand kind of how you get there and what the vehicles are for, for getting you there and how you structure it um because i always had an idea at the back of my mind that i wanted to take I wanted to take stand-up into awareness training because I think it's a different progression again. Mm -hmm. And and it's something that I'm doing now is for on-site awareness training is offering more of a stand-up routine around different topics that people can get engaged in rather than um, rather than listening to the boring mandatory training that comes out every year that nobody pays attention to, right? And even encouraging people to get involved and heckle and all that type of stuff because... I'm maybe even doing it in stand-up venues for people so you can get away from that not safe for work element where you're in a stand-up club, but it's it's for that corporate and you're going to do that of an evening and there's beers and stuff like that and everybody could just have a little bit of fun and let the hair down. So so it's actually that that's what kicked it off. Um, and, and to be quite honest, it was always an itch I wanted to scratch. It was always something that I thought I wouldn't mind having a go at. You know, because, um, you know, the, the, the other scouser who kind of does it is John Bishop, and he's really good at it, right? And, and, and John and I played for the same football team years ago at different times, right? John and I trained together at a point, but, it, but he wasn't John Bishop then. He was just a normal lad who, you know, 
So so there's kind of certain crossovers and itches that 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 I want to scratch and 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 also as well it pushes you out your comfort zone. Like I said, I didn't talk about security till till the cows come home, but it's pushing you out your comfort zone and it's making you think about how to deliver. You know, for, I've I've got a joke going around in my head at the moment, right, about passwords, right, and how how the shittily conveyed in normal awareness training about uh, you wouldn't share your underpants, so why share passwords? Who's sharing fucking underpants? Who actually <laughs> shares? Who's the pervert who goes, do you know what, mate? What I'm fed up of are these pants I've got on here. Can I try yours on? No, <laughs> you fucking can't, weirdo. So I've got that kind of idea of, you know, and, and, and that's the type of stuff that I think would work well in stand-up for, for awareness to get people involved in it, you know, and it, it just helps cement it on a different level as well. I'm feeling very exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because you just took your underpants off or? <laughs> Always goes commando. If Always. only they were mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting up from this desk. <laughs> Please don't. Please do not. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, and... Uh, well, you're going to have to edit this bit out now, Rob. How long have we got left? I don't know. Um, now. now? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're pretty much... Pretty okay. much uh, yeah, we're pretty much at an hour. So, okay. yeah, let, let me go a little bit more. Okay, cool. We, we need to get a final thought. We do need to get final thoughts out of it, definitely. So, at this point in the podcast, Ian, we usually ask our guest for their final thought... But as you are now, you know, a fully-fledged stand-up comedian, would you like to give us a final joke instead? A final joke, a final thought. Um, I, 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 I do something in, in my recent set that, that people may, may, have, um, may have seen. I talk about uh, 10 and 50. I talk about 10 and 50 in lockdown, and it dawning on me that I need to grow up. I, I, I need to grow up because I'm not a responsible adult. And, and actually what you see before you is a six foot four lazy man child. So so to to kind of expand my maturity, I thought I'd get behind the cause and I did some research on Google. Um, and by research, I mean page one, because there's three types of people who go to page two, paedophiles, terrorists and professors doing proper research. Right. So 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 nobody else needs to go beyond page one and threw up three, three different options. And the first option um, was deforestation of the Amazon. Did you know, for instance, that there's, uh, there's an area the size of four football pitches that's mown down every three minutes because of deforestation, which probably explains why the South Americans are so good at football. And therefore, um, if nothing else, we need to stop this shit so we can have a fair go of future World Cups. And, and, and then the, the, the second option was the NSPCC. Wonderful cause, great charity, kids of the future. Um, but they didn't like my suggestion for an annual campaign to help kids, you know, which was, Shh, I shouldn't have to tell you twice. So they, they <laughs> frowned at that. It was, a bit, it was a bit tepid. It was a bit tepid, the reception I got for it. And so I didn't sort to injury. As I, as I left the room, they turned around to me and said, and the Rolf Harris vibe isn't working for us either. So, <laughs> so, so, so the, final, the, the final thing, and it's a, it's a cause I can definitely get behind is, is climate change. 
I'm, I'm by get behind. I don't mean speed up because, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm fed up with fucking kids and celebrities, Z-list celebrities telling me how much we need to change the planet. We all know. We all know. I don't want the planet rising temperature by a degree because I tan like a fucking Burns victim. I really do. Honestly, people pass by me on holiday and take photos of me on the sunbed just so they can match that terrible burnt shade of pink on their feature wall back home. You know, Pharaoh and Ball have a have a paint in my honour called Scouse Salmon. So, <laughs> so, so essentially, that's kind of a, 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 a couple of minutes of, of the stand-up I do. So um, just all taking fun of myself and, and poking fun at, at, at myself and, and actually proving I can write comedy as well, hopefully, hopefully proving that, that, that I can write comedy. So, so there you go. DVDs available in the link below. Indeed. I'm available for weddings, bar mitzvahs and funerals. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thanks so much for coming to chat to us, Ian. It's been a pleasure. I don't think I've laughed more than I than on this podcast. So there we go. It's been it's been wonderful. Very nice to meet you, Ian. Thank you very much. And you, Rob. And you, Rob. I've um, I've really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>